Well, my daughter Elizabeth, who is my youngest and is a student at Appalachian State University, went back, or is on her way back now, after her spring break here at home with us this week. And I got to enjoy some really good time with her and uh, have some good one-on-one -on -one conversations with her uh, over some meals. Always good to reconnect with your kids when they uh, grow up and they get out and do their own thing. But one of the things she was telling me about school, and it may be because in Boone there's so many mountains to climb up, is how heavy her book bag is at school. And walking from her dorm to classes in the cold, in the wind, the weight of it all, she said, just makes her feel really tired when she gets to class and back to her dorm. And I got to thinking about that this week, especially as we're entering into this Lenten season. It's that 40-day period, you know, that Danielle spoke about when, when we remember Jesus in the wilderness for 40 days, preparing his heart and his mind for the work of God that was ahead for him. And that would lead him to the cross and to the resurrection, of course. But it's a season in the church here when we think about how is it that we equip ourselves better to serve God. And one of the things that I think it is in our best interest to do is to get rid of all of those, those heavy things that weigh us down. And so I'm starting a sermon series today, and I want us to, to think about, and we will week by week, how it is that we can, upon the altar of God, place these things that hinder us. And today we begin with impulses in our life. How do we let go of those and allow God to help us? The second week we'll talk about worry and all that we do to try to worry about things in life when we don't need to. How do we give those up to God? How is it that we need to let go of the stuff in our life? Simplify. How about resentments that we have in our lives towards other people. We need to let go of those as well. Fear? Anybody deal with fears in your life? They're quite heavy. And for Palm Sunday, the opinions of others. How do those rule our lives and how can we let go of those? Jesus shows us that. And then finally, for Easter Sunday, how do we let go of defeat in our life? I don't know about you, but I have a very difficult time when things don't go my way and when I'm challenged uh, by the speed bumps in life. And as we give up for Lent, whatever it is we might be giving up, let's give up those things that hinder the walk that we're called to walk in Christ. And I think if we do, we will find that our lives are much lighter and that we can get up around fairly easily and have more focus and time on God. All right? All right. So today we begin with the gospel story to talk about letting go of the impulses of our life from Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. And then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. 
And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written in Scripture, Man shall not live by bread alone. And then the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give to you all authority and all splendor, for it's been given to me, and I can give it to anyone that I want to. If you will bow down and worship me, it will be all yours. And Jesus answered, It is written in Scripture, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil led Jesus up to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple that is there. And he said, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, it says also in the scriptures, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished all of this tempting, he left Jesus until a more opportune time. And that is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, if you'd bow your heads with me, please, as I begin. Oh God, may the words of my mouth and meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and be pleasing in your sight, O oh Lord. For you are our strength and our redeemer. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I may have shared with you before that after college, before I answered God's call to go to seminary and into the ministry, I worked for a short stint in retail management. It was my first real job, if you will, with the Ecker Drug Corporation. Has anybody ever heard of it? They no longer exist. Now, that's not my fault. Just two years, I was in management with them. And I learned a couple of very important lessons in those two years after college and before seminary. One was uh, that I did not want to make a career in retail management because the hours were horrendous and the people were often difficult to deal with. But the second thing that I learned, and this is for you today, is to never, ever buy anything while you are waiting in line to check out at a store. That's right. In Retail Management 101, they taught us that the best place to catch people and get them to buy something and to pay the most for it is while they are sitting there waiting in a line to check out, and they feel like they're wasting their time, and they may think of something or see something that will will pick a response, and they will buy it and sometimes pay twice as much as if they were to go to the back of the store and find it in its regular place. And so, don't be a sucker and buy stuff in that corridor of commerce that is called, do you know what it's called? It's called the impulse aisle, and for good reason. You know what an impulse is, right? It is, it is defined by Webster's as being a sudden and strong and an unreflective urge or desire to act on something. And when you're in the impulse aisle, you want to grab a candy bar and pay $3 for it or a drink and pay $5 for it because you're sitting there and you're, 
You're driven to do that while you're waiting. Well, Jesus, um, in his 40 days in the wilderness, right after he was baptized and God spoke from the heavens that word that said, this is my son with whom I am well pleased and affirmed him in being who Jesus said he was, suddenly he was driven, it said, by the Spirit out into the wilderness. And there Jesus was tempted for 40 days to act upon his impulses in life that conflicted with what God wanted for him to do and where he wanted him to go. And today I want to talk about that and about the importance of recognizing those impulses within us, but also checking them at the door when they come in. Well, impulses are not a bad thing. Uh, they are, are driven things from within, voices uh, perhaps, or urges to do those things that sometimes we have to do, right? Yes, an impulse is, is something that makes our body react. And for instance, if my head itches, my beautiful brain tells my arm that I need to move my hand into location, right? And it tells my fingers to move so I can scratch, right? And I can alleviate the itch and keep it from driving me crazy. So an impulse is a good thing. Impulses teach us to go and seek out food when we are hungry, to move out of the way of something when it comes flying at us and presents a danger. Impulses can even drive us to do heroic things, to step in front of something or move someone out of the way or protect them if they are in danger. So these impulses are not bad things. They're part of our human behavior of how we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Self-preservation tactics uh, that our mind tells us to do, if you will. But there are some reasons that we should check those, and Jesus shows us in his wilderness experience why it is that is important and how it is that we can truly live by not allowing that which are, are within us to serve our best interest, to in fact rule over us and control our lives and keep us from what it is that God calls us to and the life he desires for us to have. And so Jesus teaches us to check our impulses first because our dependence on God is, is more important than just our self-protection or our self-perfection, I'm sorry. Yeah, self-perfection is something that those of us that have begun this season of Lent or given up something are maybe thinking about. How can I better be a good person or how can I put myself in a better place to serve God, to be free of those, those things that distract me from that throughout the year? We can easily look at those things that we give up for Lent as, as something that, that is like a New Year's resolution, if you will. I saw a meme this past week that, that had someone that said, the beauty of Lent is that I can draw closer to God by slimming down, by not eating chocolate for 40 days, and better slipping into the blue jeans that I love to wear. Well, that's a benefit of giving up something for Lent. It's a spiritual discipline of old of giving up something we become very dependent on or that, that in too much quantity can be destructive or hurtful for us. 
But what is the purpose of giving up those things in life that we can become too focused on? Is it so that we will draw closer to God, or is it so that we will feel better about ourselves? It's an important question that we have to ask. Are we more interested in becoming more dependent of God and, and letting go of those things and replacing them with prayer and with study and with focus upon God? Or are we simply comfortable with feeling better about ourselves? Neither are bad things, but during this season of Lent, as Jesus showed us, there's something powerful about abstaining and not doing those things or partaking in those that we normally do. There is an equation of not exact science, but the less that we depend on the things that our bodies urge us to do, the more our senses are heightened and our awareness is open and our eyes can see in a different light, the way that God would have us to see the world. Jesus, for 40 days, had nothing to eat, no bread to eat. And a lot of us can't imagine doing that unless we were going on a hunger strike of sorts. But if we have given up things before, if we have abstained from, from acting upon the impulses of our heart and of, of our mind, we know that there is spiritual benefit to that, and growth comes as a result of it. I have before done a three-day fast of no bread, uh, nothing but water to drink. And after a day, your mind starts to go crazy. You start to think, I'm not going to survive this. I can't do this. It's impossible. And yet, if you stop and you reflect and you think about why you're doing it, and ask for God's help. You will see that you are given a spiritual power that you did not know you had to abstain from things that you impulsively are driven to do. Jesus teaches us to check our impulses because we can become more God-dependent and connected with God in a beautiful relationship the less that we depend upon our own impulses. The second thing that Jesus shows us about checking our impulses is that by, by looking at those and considering and understanding those, we can focus more on God things and not so much on me things. It's, uh, it's easy to get caught up in our own selves, isn't it? And to serve ourselves and do our own things and kind of be oblivious to the needs of others around us or the condition of of our family or of the world, it's easy, very easy, to become so unfocused on others that we become consumed with ourselves. And Jesus knew, and Jesus taught that it's a very slippery slope when we go down the path of serving ourselves instead of serving God. Because if we place ourselves in God's status and, and impulsively live as we want to each and every day, in every direction while we will find ourselves in places where we should not let ourselves go. The Old Testament talks about this thing called original sin, which I've said before is not coming up with new and inventive and exciting ways to do bad. It is, rather, the inherent quality that we all have left unchecked to destruct ourselves and to fall into bad places. Now, I would imagine 
that all of us at some point in time have made mistakes in life unless Jesus is here today and I don't see anyone particularly resembling him. All of us have fallen short of God's glory and do not uh, live perfectly as we know we ought to in our heart of hearts. And yet by God's grace we know we know that we are forgiven and given new life and new opportunities. What most often is it that has gotten you into trouble when you have created that for yourself? I would imagine that impulse, somehow or another, looking back, you could say, that was not a very smart thing to do. I probably should have stopped and thought about that before I did it, maybe prayed about it, maybe asked someone else of, of, uh, of a spiritual understanding of the scriptures, of how I should have handled that. All of us, living up to our impulses alone, can go to places that are not good and lead us to destruction of ourselves. Now, we all have coping mechanisms in life, don't we? We do. Things that we do to deal with the stress in life, to deal with uh, challenges, to deal with difficult people. We all have to unwind and deal with things in our own ways. And yet there are good coping mechanisms, healthy ones, and there are destructive ones. And if you have ever dealt with addiction before or know someone who has chosen a coping mechanism that impulse leads them to, that can destroy their life, you know of the toll that it can take. And the destruction it can cause not only for them, but for the people that they hold dear and that are all around them and are gifts of God to them. Jesus shows us that we should check our impulses so that we will live more of a life for God instead of a life for ourselves. It's what it means to, to place ourselves below God and put God first. Last thing, last thing, is that Jesus calls us as followers of him, to, to check our impulses so that we can live a more fruitful life. It's not just a matter of staying out of trouble or, or not causing damage in the world or, or hurting others through our actions. It's a matter of, of actually doing good in the world and making a difference in the world and serving God in the world and the purposes of God's kingdom and not just our own kingdom. There is something very fruitful and very beneficial about someone who has, has recognized that their impulses in life are not what they were created to do. But instead, they see a greater purpose, a bigger picture, a, a kingdom where, where God reigns and where God's love and equity and justice are given to others. It's the reason that the church does ministry in the community, whether it's to raise funds for children educational needs at the elementary school or to feed people on Thursday a free meal so that they can come together and, and fellowship, whether it's to, to gather up used items and sell them in the thrift store so that it can benefit ministry. Living a fruitful life is the benefit of putting aside all of those things that would hinder us and trip us up from it. Jesus said a little bit later in Luke's Gospel these words, that no good tree will bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. 
For each tree is recognized by the fruit that it bears. People don't pick figs from thorn bushes, and they don't get grapes from briar branches. But a good person brings good out of the good stored up within their heart. And an evil person brings out evil things of the evil that is stored up in their heart. And as the mouth speaks, that is what the heart is full of. Jesus is saying that we should set ourselves aside and all that drives and, and impulses us and directs us to let go and to allow him to guide and direct us in doing his work. There is no greater joy than being a follower of Christ when you can sow God's seed and see the benefit that comes from that. I like the Apostle Paul's description in Galatians chapter 5 in this letter from the New Testament. He points out the difference between living by our own impulses and living by the direction and guidance of, of God, of the Holy Spirit. And let me read this as I, as I close today. He writes, brothers and sisters, we are all called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the fleshly things. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, to love your neighbor as yourself. And if you bite and devour each other instead, watch out or you will be destroyed by one another. So I say to you, walk by God's Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the fleshly desires are contrary to God's Spirit, and the Spirit is contrary to the fleshly desires. They are in conflict with one another so that you are not to do whatever it is that you want to do. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And so the fruit of the Spirit, he writes a little later, are things such as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things as these, there is no law. Those who belong to Jesus Christ, who crucify the flesh with its passions and desires, are led by the Spirit and keep in step with God. So let's not become conceited and provoke, provoking and envying one another for the things of this world. And so you hear in that, that we are called to be beautiful people in the world for the sake of Jesus Christ to show love and all of the fruit that comes with having God within our hearts. My prayer for you during this Lenten season is that you will let go of those things that hinder you and hold you back from being God's person because we all have our personal laundry list of things that will trip us up. How is it that we can set aside our impulses and, and the things such as defeat and opinion and fear and resentment and stuff and worry and be freed to do all that Jesus calls us to do. There's great joy that comes in it and great celebration as a result of it. This past week we celebrated a life beautifully lived and the fruit of that and the celebration of the life and resurrection of Marilyn Smith. If you were here, you had a hard time finding a seat because the place was packed out. 
and her children beautifully, beautifully, that all three are in some type of ministry, have a part in the service and celebrating and showing where it was that she led them in their lives through her faith. It was simply because Marilyn was more concerned with the things of God's kingdom as she was the things of the world, and it bore fruit that was powerful, beautiful, and testimonial this past week. Where is it that our lives are taking us? But more importantly, where is it that God is calling us to go to be ones that set aside those impulses that trap us up and contain us? And don't allow us to unleash our potential for God's kingdom.